you have landed on the one and only podcast where you'll learn about the people and places that inspire life-changing travel. This is Dramatic Travels. Hello, hello, and hello again. Welcome back, my friend, to part two of my chat with Dory Simon on this episode number 14 of the Dramatic Travels podcast. I'm going to take a very quick moment for a word from our nonprofit partner, Flight, and then we're going to dive straight into part two of my chat with Dory Simon. Enjoy. Flight is a nonprofit organization that empowers students in underserved communities through transformative travel experiences. I believe in Flight because I believe that every student deserves a chance to expand his or her global education regardless of where they come from or how much money they have. I encourage you to visit dramatictravels.com/flight. There you'll find links to join the Flight community and donate to this fantastic organization. That address again is dramatictravels.com/flight. Light. Dory, I want to give a, a special shout out to a previous guest, Jessica Parker. She actually connected us via email after after I interviewed Jessica on the podcast. Yeah, Jessica Parker uh, works with Matador as well, and she does PR with us. So that's how I know her. And she's um, she's been great. She's been promoting in her shoes uh, as much as possible. So I'm incredibly grateful for her existence. And she's totally great to work with. Well, and she's promoting in her shoes right here, right now in sort of a second degree, you know, sort of way. We're just amplifying, amplifying in her shoes throughout the world. And yeah, Jessica's killer. She said, you actually, she referred me to three, three guests and they all said yes. So kind of a testament to, to her and also to you. She spoke incredibly highly of you. So uh, very, very glad to have you on Dramatic Travels. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. I'm so glad to be here on Dramatic Travels. Sweet. <laughs> All right, Dramatic Travels family, we are here and we are with Dory Simon. And my friend, it is time to turn up those earbuds because Dory is about to drop some travel knowledge. Dory, how do you best capture your travel memories and give us a tip about how to use that method effectively? Oh, good question. So I have traveled with a camera for a very long time. I've always liked to have a camera in my hand. But right now, my favorite way to capture things is just on my phone, because I feel like it's the most accessible way. And I know that that's not the most high tech travel tip. But I feel like, you know, when you're traveling, you often see things that you want to you want to have a memory of, you want to remember, and you might think, well, I might go back there and I might see that again. So I won't stop the group that I'm with and try to get a picture, get my picture in front of that cool wall or in front of this beautiful place, because I don't want to hold people up. And my advice there is just do it because I've not done that in the past. And I don't know if other people feel this way, but I tend to really regret it. I tend to sit on that for a long time and think, man, if I just had a picture of myself there, I could, I'd be so excited. Or if I just had that, the picture of those kids playing, I would love to have, you know, asked if I could take their picture and gotten that moment for my, you know, this, uh, for the memories that I can revisit. Cause I'm, I'm big into imagery and I love, I love having photographic or video records of 
of all of life. <laughs> so hold up the group is is the takeaway from there. That's what I got. <laughs> don't be afraid. Yeah, to- don't be afraid. Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, feel like it's an inconvenience, and sometimes it is, right? But it's still it's still your experience. And I, I'm a big kind of prioritize yourself type person, not in a selfish way, you know, not when it means that you're taking away from other people's experiences to a huge degree, but yeah, like make the most of your trip and make sure that it's, it's awesome. I actually, I was just in Hobbiton in New Zealand. I just got back from New Zealand last week and I was there on a work trip, but I took a, an afternoon to go out to the, the, Lord of the Rings movie set uh, to Hobbiton and you do like a 40 minute tour and they really rush you through because I'm pretty sure they start tours every five or 10 minutes. So the next group is right behind you and you're basically walking along these tiny little Hobbiton streets and you know, everybody wants their picture in front of, in front of the Hobbit houses. So uh, the people in front of me were slow and I had, I had advice from friends who had just been there and they said, you know, stay toward the back of the group so then you can wait and get the picture that you want instead of having to rush through or not get a picture of the one new one. And, you know, now I have a picture in front of like every Hobbit house. I don't know if I needed all of those, but my dad loves Lord of the Rings and he like insisted that I go there. And I, I of course, wanted to go myself, but to come back and then be able to show him like parents don't get sick of repetitive pictures, even if it's you know, to somebody else, it's just going to look like the same thing over and over. And my dad's like, Oh, that's so cool. And that one has a red door and that one has a yellow door. And we kind of geeked out over it. So there's value in that. Well, and having the patience of a filmmaker probably helped you wait out those, those other folks in line and just to get that perfect shot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The only downside is that the tour was of course, like the tour guide was speaking at the front of the line. So I listened for a while, but then I ended up prioritizing the photos over hearing all the information, which you know, sometimes you have to choose, but that was my choice. <laughs> well, that story reminded me of a personal story that I've never shared on the podcast before. And it's along those same lines of not missing those sort of once in a lifetime opportunities. I was in China with three friends of mine in 2012, and we had what was supposed to have been kind of an off day from the tour group we were with, just a free day. And our tour guide said, hey, if anybody wants to join me, I can take you on a tour of my my hometown, my you know my village where I you know where I live and where I grew up, and we can have lunch you know at my house and etc. for just a few bucks, and we and we did it, and then we visited this. I think it was a neighbor's house. I can't remember, but the woman cooked us all lunch, and her husband was an artist, and he was in the back room doing his artwork, and he was selling it. It was really inexpensive, and I was like hemming and hawing whether or not to buy it. And I didn't, I chose not to. And I don't have that many regrets from travels, but that's one I go back to immediately. Like, why didn't I just buy that stupid thing? I'll never, ever have that opportunity again. Yeah. You're, you're never going to see it again. Right. Like the, you, I, I, I like the, I guess I like the approach of a, you know, think of things as like, you're, you're only going to live once. That doesn't mean be reckless or you know, live like there's no tomorrow necessarily, but yeah, take advantage of the stuff that's in front of you. Cause Otherwise, you might regret it. I thought of another photo travel tip based on that story. So based on your story. So I, um, when I was in my like early 20s, I took a, I did a backpacking trip through Southeast Asia and I met up with one of my best friends and we went to Myanmar, Burma for like four days. It was a really, really quick trip, maybe five days. And on the first day, <clears throat> we basically landed and took a train and went to Bagan and we got off the train. 
And I have been taking photos the whole way. And it was so picturesque. I mean, some of my favorite photos I've ever taken still are from that trip. And we got we got off the train. And there's this little kid playing with birds with his grandmother. And he was adorable. And I felt like this is just one of those moments I need to capture. And I think, you know, nowadays, I'm a little less, I'm a little more hesitant to just take photos of random children on the street, because I think that there's some ethics involved there. But at the time, I wasn't really that kind of person. I was just like, Oh, I'm gonna take this picture. The grandma was okay with it. You know, I was, and I was crouched down, I'm taking a bunch of photos. And I was so I was like, these are gonna be my best. And I look in my camera, which is a DSLR camera. So bigger thing. And I hadn't put my memory card in. I think on the train, I had been downloading photos because it was an overnight train. So um, must have done it kind of when we woke up in the morning. And I hadn't put my memory card back in. And I promise you, I have never made that mistake again, because I don't have those photos. And I, I was sure that they were going to be the best. And then now they don't even exist. They were the best. We'll just we'll just believe that. They're all in here, <laughs> up in my head. Another kind of example of capturing stuff and how important that can be. And it's a little extreme, but um, I actually had a dream about my brother last night. And my brother passed away a couple years ago from a heroin overdose. And without diving too deep into it, because it's a very tough subject for me to talk about, I had a dream about him last night and I woke up crying. So the first thing I did was grab my phone and I'm just looking through pictures of him. And I found and that I was looking on his Facebook and Instagram and just looking through his life as it was captured when he was here. And I found this Snapchat video that we had made when we went camping one time, just me and him. And as silly as an Instagram story nowadays, my like, you know, you might just do that in passing. Everybody's doing it. The memory like I don't have that many with my brother. And I watch the ones I do have all the time. And so I think if you're, I think, I guess another tip, and this is like a really heavy tip, but if you're traveling with somebody you love, like make some memories that you can look back on if that's how you like to remember things. For some people, it distracts them, takes them out of the moment to take pictures. But even if it's just sometimes picking up your phone and saying like, this is a really beautiful moment. I think sometimes that's worth capturing because, hey, if anything happens, you get to look back on it and like the memories are you know, incomparable. Like it's that there's nothing that I love more than looking at pictures or videos of me and my brother interacting as adults. Cause we don't have a lot of those, you know, you get more when we're kids, but not, not so much as grownups. Well, and there's nothing about that that's ruining the moment because that was the moment, you know, taking those pictures and then having, and the moment lives on and on and on even, you know, lives beyond your brother who's, who's now gone. And that's, that's really powerful stuff. And I can, I can, sense the emotion in your voice. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that, that story. I can, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hitting me a little bit in the gut too. So really appreciate <laughs> you sharing that story with us. Yeah, story. Take, take photos, take videos. No, it's, but I, I do think it's real. Like it's something I, I hold so dear to my heart and I really highly value and yeah, just, I'm so grateful to have it. So. Well, it's just such an interesting sort of opposing viewpoint to the, you know, don't stop and take pictures, you know, enjoy the moment. I get that. That, that, that's, that all makes sense. But the flip side is what you just described. Taking the photograph, especially with someone that you love, that is the moment or it's taking, making, taking a good moment and making it great and making it live forever. 
Yeah. And a lot of them are really funny too. Like sometimes it's really funny to go back and watch the goofy things that you just oh, film for an Instagram story, yeah. a Snapchat story, you know, do you ever, do you go live or you, are you a uh, record first and post later? I, I do both. Like I've never done a live kind of stream, but I do a lot in real time. And then if I'm on a trip, usually, and I guess this is another tip if you're looking for it, but yeah, to, to maybe save battery, I might be on airplane mode. So I'll take a bunch of videos and then post them later. But I really don't like having even more stuff I need to go through when I get back from a day of traveling or an entire trip. Like if I find it easiest to do it in real time, because the more you, the more you capture and that you're sitting on, the more you have to go back to it later and the less likely you're probably you probably are to post as much as you would have before. So if you want to share the memories, I feel like doing it in real time or at least within that 24 hour time period is, is the best way to do it. Yeah. You got to ride that momentum while it's high. It reminded me, reminds me of like buying a house and then, and super gung ho for maybe three or six months about doing projects and painting. And then when you run out of steam, it's gone stuff just sits. And if you like same thing with like the photos, if you don't get to them right away, when that momentum's high, when the emotion's high, they're probably going to sit, well, not in a shoebox anymore. That was back in the day, but they're just going to sit there in your phone, you know, with a, with a generic file name and, and to be lost in the ether forever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Dory, can you share, uh, what's a specific lesson or a skill that you've learned from travels that, that helps you navigate everyday life? I think that talking to, to strangers on trips and being forced to make your way through a, a new or, uh, uncomfortable place for you. Cause maybe you don't speak the language. You've never been there. You don't know how to even physically navigate it has helped me, uh, in my everyday life you know, it's like a kind of adaptability that makes you feel more comfortable walking up to a stranger here in every, you know, everyday life and asking them for help, or even just cold calling somebody that you might not have talked, you know, spoken to before, but that you want to connect with like that. I think that there's a lot of value in making relationships with people that you're drawn to, but you might not have an intro, you know, or, or like a mutual connection with, but, um, I feel like traveling, I, I used to be so self-aware, you know, I used to be really nervous. Oh, well, they think I'm weird. Is this annoying? I don't know how to do this. I would get scared to go up to strangers when I was much younger and through traveling, you just have to do that. It's almost, almost like a survival tactic. So to lose that kind of fear moving into, you know, the next phase of life and the current phase of life has been, has been awesome. Like who wants that? I don't want to live out of fear. No, no way. And I love how you, you really made the, the connection back to, to an everyday experience. Like you said, making a cold call or a cold email. Cause yeah, that it's those can, it can be frightening. It's not a rational fear necessarily, but it, it feels very real. That idea of you know picking up the phone. And if you can sit in India and, and ask for directions, then picking up the phone phone to call someone about a job or whatever, it just, it just seems so easy in comparison. Yeah. And it helps you connect with people that you might not otherwise connect with in your real world. So say you're getting into a taxi in the US, I feel like standard kind of uh, protocol in that situation is almost like the way it is in an elevator, where you get into that space with another human being, but you don't share anything. And it's just quiet and they are your chauffeur. Like anytime I've taken a taxi internationally, I do my best to have a conversation with that driver sometimes because I need to, to figure out where we're going or make sure that we are on the same page about where we're going. But 
otherwise, you know, it, it, it's, it's since turned into me being just super interested in other people's lives. And now anytime I get an Uber here in the U S I love just talking. I've learned so much about people from sitting in their cars and hiring their Uber services. Right. I get surprised. I, I, I sit in the front seat whenever they'll let me and they, they're surprised by it sometimes, which tells me that most people don't sit in the front seat. I had a ride the other day from downtown Sacramento to my house. It's about 20 minutes. And I just kept, this guy was really interesting. I just kept asking him questions. I did 5% of the talking, but then when he pulls up, drops me off, he turns to me and said, thanks so much for the, for the great conversation. I really enjoyed chatting with you. And I'm thinking like, you know, I just asked you a few questions. You did most of the talking, but that's what gives people that, that warm feeling and that, that feeling of connection is when you're genuinely interested about them and they're allowed to, to share their, you know, share their lives in sort of a safe, warm environment. And apparently I had created that environment for this gentleman without even really realizing it. I'd probably had a few drinks, which is why, why I was in the Uber in the first place. <laughs> right. So Dory, I know you're a filmmaker, but can you introduce the Dramatic Travels family to a travel-related book and just tell us why it's so special to you? Sure. So uh, one of my favorite books, and it's been one of the most inspiring books in my career, is called Half the Sky. And it's written by Nicholas Kristoff, who's a New York Times reporter, and his wife, whose name I'm going to mess up, Cheryl Wudun. Um, <laughs> I have it right on my bookshelf beside me. And basically... Nicholas Kristoff travels to a bunch of places throughout the world and follows the stories of, um, it's not so much about women's empowerment, it's really about women's struggles throughout the world. And the idea of the title, Half the Sky, is I think, I think it comes from this uh, Chinese proverb that says, women hold up half the sky because women do so much. And yet in so many cultures, they're, you know, respected so little. Um, I believe his wife is Chinese and that's where the tie-in is, but the stories range from uh, like, I mean, it crosses, it covers so many different areas of the world. Um, and then they wrote a follow-up book that, that focuses actually on the U S and struggles that are happening with women in the U S. And then there's, I think, I don't, I want to say it's a series, maybe it's a film. I watched it a while ago, but I believe it's on Netflix. So half the sky is on is a series that you could watch as well, where the, Nicholas Kristoff himself travels with um, female celebrities and they go into these cultures and like see these women's stories. So it actually translates into video too. But prior to that, it was this book. And I mean, it's, he's a New York times reporter, incredible research. Like he's a, he's a wonderful journalist and it just opens your eyes up to a, dof- a different angle of people's lives and maybe even ways that you could become involved or if nothing else understand that, you know, maybe people do things for cultural reasons. Maybe people have different backgrounds, like just try not to judge, but let's see what we can do to help where we can. Sweet. And I'm only 11, 11 episodes into this podcast and you're the second person to recommend that particular book. If you didn't pick up the book the first time you heard about it, Now's the time. You got a second vote from uh, from Dory Simon today. Awesome. Thanks for that recommendation. I love the detail. I love the passion. Dory, besides your camera, besides your smartphone, can you recommend a, a tool or a resource that you always travel with that makes every trip better? I sure can. My number one must have on a trip, especially a long trip, is just a tr- plain old travel pillow. Or I like a really like comfy travel pillow. 
to avoid jet lag, you know, you can really ruin a trip by feeling tired the whole time. If you're able to sleep on planes and you're able to get cozy in all different kinds of environments, maybe it's not just a plane, but it's a different bed or it's a train or wherever you are, it's the airport, you know, terminal where you're waiting, having a pillow is key and it's worth the space it takes up and it's worth it to invest in a good one. You heard it here first, folks. Invest in that travel pillow. Get that sleep. It's especially helpful when you're making a documentary film in India. (laughs) Yeah. I wish it had been more helpful. It didn't really bring me sleep, but I slept like a baby on the way home with my pillow. Excellent. Loved it. Glad you finally caught up because, man, that between jet lag and lack of sleep, that can can really ruin more than a day, maybe even a week. I don't know. So, Dory, I know you're not a parent, but looking for advice for parents looking to inspire their kids through travel? Ooh, ooh. I think that, I mean, again, I'm not a parent, so I don't know. I haven't had this experience yet in life, but I feel like introducing young people to new experiences so they don't build up a fear of the different is a really big deal and something that I want to do for any children that I'm around in my life, whether it's nieces and nephews in the future or my own. Um, I feel like the more we can get people in general, and it starts best when we're young, right? To feel like we're all not so different. Actually, we're really quite alike and that there's nothing to be afraid of and that you don't need to worry about going somewhere by yourself because you don't speak the language or you don't need to worry about all the things or even money, you know, like framing money in a way that's just not scary where it feels like be smart about it, but you can get around places. Just be smart with it. I feel like all of those are good things to teach kids. Absolutely. That happened on my, my very first trip overseas. I was 12 and over the course of a week in London, I completely mastered the art of writing the tube. And I felt this this unbelievable level of empowerment to know that at 12 years old, I could navigate this major city all by myself because I grew up in Orange County, California and public transportation there is, you know, nil. There's just, there just isn't any, or at least there wasn't back in those days. So I was completely relying on my parents to get me around there and, and just to go over to this city halfway across the world. And suddenly I'm all over the place by myself. I knew which stop, which transfers. It was the coolest thing. So just to kind of highlight your point there. All right, Dory, we've had an awesome time. I really, really love this conversation. Before we say goodbye, where can Dramatic Travels family go to learn more about Dory Simon? Oh, I have a website. Uh, It's dorysimon.com. And I'm on Instagram at dorysimon. Pretty easy to find and remember if you can just remember my name. I love the simplicity, Dory. And my friends, that is Dory, D-O-R-E-E, Simon. DoriSimon.com and Dory Simon on Instagram. Dory, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. I really enjoyed the chat and I uh, hope to hear more from you in the future. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, this was so wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, indeed, my friend. That's going to do it for this episode number 14 of the Dramatic Travels podcast. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Dory Simon. Time to head over to DramaticTravels.com. Check out the show notes and all the fun that's going on over there. I really appreciate you guys, and we'll talk soon. Remember, your emotional memories are your most powerful memories. So please, put some emotion in your motion. Bye-bye.